Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Jasna Borza. Hello, my beautiful people. I am so excited always to bring you the most incredible conversations that lift me up and honestly make me just be excited about the world. Um, and today is no exception. Um, today, I bring you a really good friend of mine, um, Sarah Bridges. She is hands down one of the most incredible people I have ever met. She's one of the most successful, accomplished, and effective effective executive coaches, a brilliant business owner, savvy connector, and just a wonderful, wonderful human. And I wanted to ask her about her incredibly successful practice, how she got started, and what she would do if she had to start all over again. And her answer will actually surprise you. Uh, We talk about what executive coaching is, how to achieve our potential, what business owners can do to grow their business, money mindset, and how you should always increase your own ceiling and so much more. In fact, she talked about um, an advice from a man that made her rethink completely her earning potential. You really want to listen to that. And Sarah also created Executive Coaching Certification, a turnkey program for coaches who want the curriculum and business know-how of creating a successful executive coaching practice. She is a well of wisdom, um, but she's also just so down to earth and so approachable. And this is exactly the kind of person that I want to learn from. So I hope that you will get as much out of this conversation as I did. And without further ado, here's Sarah Bridges. Sarah, welcome to a Level Together podcast. I am so excited to be on this with you. Oh my God, you know how excited I am. I've been talking about this for months. First of all, for everyone that uh, you know has heard the introduction, they know how much uh, I adore you and what an exceptional human you are. And to have the ability to ask you questions, this is a dream come true. Uh, well, it's mutual. Thank you so much in my life. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, you know, we know that you are now one of the most accomplished, successful, and effective executive coaches around. And it's uh, truly not only have you, uh, you know, been able to withstand the test of time, you have actually created an incredible brand around around yourself and you have a full firm with other people working for you. I would love to get us started with, you know, how did you get started in this business and why executive coaching? Well, I would love to have an exact roadmap for everybody there. Um, I did not have an intention ever of setting up my own business. So I will say that, that whether you are a super type A planner or you tend to be someone that's more like me, very open to experience and good at responding to things, there's a path to getting into executive coaching. So it was not ever my dream. I didn't even contemplate having a business. I had um, studied psychology and then worked for a firm in the Twin Cities called PDI, 
part of Corn Ferry, a bunch of organizational psychologists. So I did that kind of work for five years and then joined one of my clients to head up organization development mm -hmm. for two years. And as I was on my fourth, yes, fourth maternity leave, and at home, I thought I cannot go back into corporate America. I just couldn't do it. I mean, partly having children and just the inflexibility of normal work life. And partly I just, it just felt very confining. And as the universe works, a client I'd worked with years ago called me that same summer and said, could you do a project for us? And it started out, I thought, oh, well, I'll do this two days a week and just have a little flexibility while the kids are young. And it just grew from there. It started with me out of my house. Of course, I didn't have a website or a business card or a bank account or anything. I was very, very um, unaware of how you do this. Some, In some ways, that's an advantage and just kind of um, fell right into it. You know, that's very interesting. So there's a million questions that came to mind from what you just said. Uh, but the first one that I have to ask, and you just said, you know, um, that the advantage of not knowing how to go about things. Today, we have so many trainings on how to do things. And uh, here's how you start a business. And you have to have the branding done and the business cards and all of that. And I feel like people get really overwhelmed. Yes. Um, do you notice that in the marketplace right now? I do. And I just feel bad. I very frequently have people come in and want to talk about starting a business. I love helping people start something entrepreneurial. And one of my pieces of advice is typically if you have something right now that you can start doing as a consultant, do as a gig, do independently, start doing it. I mean, the pieces of figuring out the exact branding and all of those different things, well, they're great to do. And if you're a go-getter who wants to get them done first, okay, but you sure don't need to have them done first. People will hire you if they see you have something you're offering that'll benefit their company or will benefit them. I just want to say to people, don't wait. If you have something to get out there and give, start doing it. You can figure out those other pieces along the way. I love that. That's a golden advice. We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, down the road. So for those of us who are listening and we're un unsure, like what is the difference between executive coaching and business coaching and life coaching? Because there is a difference. Yes, there is a big difference. So I was really trained through executive coaching at the firm where I was. And the way I think about it is the place that we're, we're really focusing attention-wise, client and me, um, is on their performance, on their life, on their actions, behaviors, and attitudes at work. Now, I'll clarify, that doesn't mean suddenly we just pretend there's not the rest of their life, their family, their wellness, everything else that does come in. But the goals that we're setting together relate to what they're trying to do career-wise, what's happening at work, what is happening with their job. Um, another distinction is that in executive coaching, the employer is paying for it. And I'll come back to that, that if you want to get into a great business, I can't say enough executive coaching 
is wonderful because you have organizations paying versus the constraint of individuals paying. And it's, you know, it's the same reason therapists are having a hard time. It's, it's money out of people's pockets. It's hard. When it's executive coaching, if you're working, I'm making this up with Target, Target is paying the fee for the coaching. Mm-hmm. And there's a way they as an organization, I'm not talking about Target, particularly any organization is also involved in that coaching the boss and the HR stakeholders, and I can share more specifics on that, but it's not as simple as you're just working one-on-one with the person. Um, There is some overlap, surely, in life coaching and executive coaching and goal setting and looking at the whole human in the growth mindset, very much solution-based and future-focused, not focused on what happened that was problematic in the past. Mm -hmm. Occasionally that comes up as why someone may have a limiting belief, but it is not our focus. We have a belief that people can change things, that they come in if they're willing to do the work of focusing and practicing and taking feedback, the sky's the limit. I mean, people can really change anything. So it's on the job, solution focus, growth mindset, organization pays, and it's, it's coaching, so it's different from consulting. I'm not in being an expert just telling you what to do, like consulting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So would you give us an example, right? Is it is when companies pay for, for you to come in, are you working with um, you know, mid-level employees or more executives? And what would be an example? Give us an example of what, what m- m- may they you know, be struggling with or needing your help with. Sure. So to talk generally, executive coaching or leadership coaching can be anywhere from supervisor level up to the CEO. I typically work in the C-suite, so CEO, CFO, COO, um, also at the executive level, SVPs, VPs. We have people in our firm that may coach to managers. Or, so there's a range. I tend to be um, with senior executives just in my own practice. And I'll give you two very typical ways and have both have happened this week. An organization calls on the upside. This happens frequently. We have a high potential person. Maybe they've just been promoted or we want to get them ready for something bigger. We want them to have support as they step into a big job to be thinking broadly enough about stakeholders, to be thinking about how they're approaching their work differently, driving it through people, not just doing it. That, that's one scenario. Another very common one all the time comes up is a really talented person at sales or technical things, but they have some kind of serious interpersonal or what we call in quote style problem. That's mm-hmm. um, really proving to be a derailleur. And so working with them on that. Okay. And how long does that take to, you know, to help them? Is that like a year project or is it just a few months just to give people a sense of what, what executive coaching is? Sure. So most typical is you will go in and sign up for a six month project. And I will over and over encourage people to always do their executive coaching work as a project. We do not bill hourly. It's an extreme rarity, billing hourly. We're not in that business. And so you have a package of things involved from six months of coaching with the client every two weeks, so 12 sessions. 
we will have either a once a month or a once at the beginning and once at the end update with Voss and HR. You just would figure that out up front. Um, typically, we do some interviews of colleagues in the first month confidential discussions, I mean, client knows and fix them, to say, what are the strengths? What are good coaching goals? How do you see their leadership? We compile that into a summary. That's one thing that informs our goals. We'll do some personality testing, and then we set our goals and get going. Sometimes, frequently at the end of six months, we pause and say, where are we? How are we doing? Boss, HR, etc. And they may well decide to go another six months. That is a common scenario, but some people are up and running and might meet with you quarterly. Mm. So this is really interesting. Do you, do they come to you or do you go to them? In terms of physically, how do we meet? Uh, just generally working with companies, do they find you and they seek you out for, for coaching or do you are you um, the ones that, that goes and, and finds clients? Typically, they seek us out. And this is where most of, I really don't do formal marketing. It's all networking and I mean it. Networking, meeting people, getting the word out. Social media, of course, that's a form of marketing. But a ton of it is going to be getting the word out, talking to anybody. Some of my best clients I've had, and I mean this, are from people I've met on the plane. Mm. It's become kind of a joke in the firm how many clients I have from meeting people on the plane. But you just never know. I love what I do. I believe in it. I believe in what executive coaching for many of us can can do to help and just telling stories. And it's amazing how many people express interest. I love that. I, I can attest to your, your brilliance. And just like you have these exquisite social skills that you make everyone feel so comfortable and you listen, you ask questions. I mean, I've, I rarely find people like you. So I'm like, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm a Midwesterner. You're making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <Get yours. laughs> oh, I love that. So um, we're going to get back um, to that later on because I know you're working on something really exciting that really piqued my interest um, that I think that the audience will want to know about and, and in terms of um, executive coaching. But a lot of the people listening to the Up Level Together podcast are wanting to, you know, uh, achieve their potential. They're wanting to do something with their life. They're wanting to maybe leave their corporate job or just to create a, an environment where they're really feeling like they're doing what they love um, and, and having a fulfilling life. What does it mean to you to achieve one's potential? Wow, that is a big question. I think to me, achieving potential is when work uh, is something that you would do for free. And I, my children always tease me, those same four kids are now young adults, you know, I know you have your dream job, but I do, when I volunteer, it's just doing the same consulting I do for, for instance, nonprofits or groups that can't pay. I, I think achieving our purpose is aligning what we love, what we're good at, and what comes effortlessly. And when we're kind of in that nexus and we're doing it professionally, you know, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It really is. And you and I have talked about this at, at length, but why do you think so many of us struggle to get there? I see, now I have data points 
I love having people talk to me about starting their business, as I alluded to. And what I noticed right out of the shoot, I, I sit across and see a talented person who could easily step into building a business. And what I hear come out of their mouth is fear and limiting beliefs. Fear and limiting beliefs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? And my background's in neuropsychology, and it's really relevant. A lot of your listeners will know our brain was designed for life millions of years ago in a very different lifestyle than we live in today. And the oldest part of our brain is absolutely attuned to danger. So we have something called a negativity bias where unbeknownst to us it's happening below consciousness we are attuned to looking around our environment 24 7 even when you're asleep and looking for danger looking for problems and your brain in its helpful way just operating the way it's designed is constantly bringing up potential problems and outweighing them and so when I sit across from someone, new things trigger this. It's unknown, it's ambiguous. And so what happens is people start generating, that might happen or this might happen, or, well, I don't think I could ever do blah. And what I'll say to them is, why not? Why not? You know, you absolutely can do that. And I think the antidote is to make sure you are always around people who are doing it and doing it at a much higher level than you even are imagining yourself right now because it'll force you to confront those beliefs. It can't be done, it's too hard, it's not possible. While well, you're sitting across from someone who is, you know, we really are the sum total of the people we spend the most time with. Even at the level of our brains, mirror neurons, we start mimicking them and living our lives like them. So choose your group carefully, figure out who's your support team around this, and really be intentional around that. You just gave out a formula for how to reach your potential. Well, that I guess that is my unconscious formula. Yeah. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. that. <laughs> um, it is, it's really beautiful because so many of us struggle. And I think that it, it, we hear these pieces of advice often, but we're actually implementing what you just said. Undoubtedly, there will be a positive result. In, in, okay. So this is, this is so great. I love they're going to cut this out like recipe for achieving your potential. I love it. <laughs> Good. Good. So, you know, one of the things that when people actually, a lot of our listeners, um, they make the transition and then they get really scared. Like, Oh my God, what did I do? And they really struggle. So a lot of the people are, um, a lot of primarily 75% of our listeners are women who um, are starting their businesses and they're being overly nice and they don't want to step in and want toes, difficulty selling themselves. So if you were to start in today's market with your practice, your coaching practice, what would be the things for you that you would do to get your business off the ground? The first thing I would do as a woman and say to women is stop thinking of it as selling, even though a humongous part of having your own business is we need to generate business. I have never once and now almost 20 years thought of, I'm gonna sell something to somebody. I think in terms of connecting with people, telling stories and being helpful to other people. So the helpful part is fine as long as it doesn't flip over into everything I do is for free or I'm undercharging. Huge issue, especially I think we women can fall into. 
um, I would get, I would just get out there and start talking in the current tense, being assumptive that this is going to work out. If I don't right away find um, a big project that I can do, get involved in something. If you need to do some free work for a, for a nonprofit to get yourself started, get stories, get confidence, do it. Guess what? Nonprofits have boards and all of them are executives in for-profit companies. So constantly thinking in terms of how I can connect, getting really comfortable with stories. And I will also say new coaches coming in, many of whom have been leaders for 15 years, will say, well, I have no coaching experience. And I will say, hold on a minute. Uh, you didn't do any coaching as you managed other people? Oh, yes, I did. And they wheel off a bunch of stories. Those are your coaching stories. You never are saying when I worked at General Mills or when I worked at Delta, you were saying, oh, I had a particular client or a particular person and this is how I approached it. You have those stories if you've done any kind of managing or working in companies or anything, working on the PTA, own them talk about them and bring them forward. I would also, of course, now do social media, which I never had done in the past. Um, Yasna, I will tell you, is the one who got me to try that. And it really is a fun thing to do. It really does work well. And the other thing I would do if I were starting now is think in terms of adjacent um, professions that can be very helpful for mutual referrals. I learned that only by looking backwards and realizing it had happened. For instance, if you're doing coaching, search firms are in deep with their clients. Form a partnership, figure out how you can be helpful. They can refer you. Lawyers, accountants are often the person a business owner is talking to. I don't know what to do about X. I find those kind of relationships more valuable than just going to a networking event. So real relationships, this is, this is really great. Um, you know, building up your portfolio, going out there and connecting with people. There's like a thread in everything you said is like, put yourself out there and connect, connect, connect. Yeah, that's right. It's the old school. One of the things that um, recently, uh, about a month and a half ago, my Instagram got completely deleted. I woke up and there was no account. It was just oh gone. Oh my gosh. And it was, it lasted for about four hours. And first I freaked out and I'm like, okay, I have built my entire business off of Instagram mm -hmm. grassroots, which is I, what majority of the people wouldn't be able to do. I'm like, I'm fine. I can do it again in an instant. But there's so much, I think, um, uh, emphasis right now on social media where people are building their businesses solely on social media without realizing that our communities are net worth. And if we were really to become enmeshed in our own community and leverage that, we could have a successful, successful business. Absolutely. And that is how I built it. I didn't even use any social media until four months ago. So you absolutely can. I'm here to tell you, which is kind of comical, but true. Um, yes, you can really connect. And yeah, think in terms of relationships. If someone's in transition, see how you can help them. They'll end up in a job, stay in touch. I mean, really obsessive, good communication, staying in touch with people, checking in with people, not just dropping out of sight, helping where you can, especially if it's an easy favor, like connecting people to other people, absolutely do that. Think about the reputation you're building and, 
focusing on that at least as much as social media is going to get you far. I love that. Do you take, you know, concentrated uh, amount of time to actually say like this day in this month, I'm going to reach out to, to my folks? Cause I don't really do that. That's really interesting. See, and I can give you a perfect experiment within our firm. My colleague, Kelly, who we are just a perfect complementary fit. I'm very intuitive, big picture, not structured. She's very organized, linear, structured. So here's how we approach it. She sets aside time each week to do her business development or client reach out, follow up. How are you once a quarter, once a month? I do it. I fit it in where I have time and I have kind of a running list and do it. So you can do it however it works. The key is to do it. So that's really brilliant. That's a very, I think it's a very uh, fabulous balance. But I think for when it's just one of us, we have to learn to re remind ourselves to do that. Yes. Um, Sarah, what, you're, you're such an incredible teacher and your presence is just so engaging. And um, I recently spoke to my mastermind group. And to this day, they still talk about the moment where you talked about uh, money beliefs, limiting money beliefs, and oh, yes. you shared a story around your own money ceiling. Would you share that story with all of us? Because it was so impactful. I would love to. So I had been coaching for probably, I don't know, five or six years and was really thrilled with how it was going, making more money than I could have imagined. Um, just was really feeling happy and content. And that was the end of that. And I, I had a male mentor um, and I call out his gender because that's relevant. I think men and women sometimes think differently about money. And we were talking and he was asking, he was about five years ahead of me in the process. And we're very close friends and he asked me how much I was making and I told him and he said that is fantastic and then he said last year I made a million dollars I just about I'm not kidding I almost physically fell out of my chair and I said what and I realized I didn't even realize that was possible a coach could make a million dollars and I had thought I always had in my head that no one could get above $400,000 because that's what my father had made or 500,000, which is a ton, ton, ton of money. He'd been a very successful coach. And in my mind, that was how much, if you're really nailing it, you could make. And suddenly here's this person saying, that's great, I make a million. The minute he said that, and this is not even conscious, something, it's like my, my DNA reconfigured. And I suddenly thought, wow, I'd like to start making more money. I could make more money. And you fast forward and goals that I've said have, have been achieved. And I, I realized in that moment, I had been at the same income for three years in a row and the next year doubled it. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I suddenly had a different business plan. I didn't suddenly have some whopper client come in. My thinking changed. So in what way? Give us like, this is really important. I talk about this all the time. When that mind shift occurs, everything changes. But specifically, would you, do you remember what specifically happened? It was, it was a number of things. So um, let's see. One is just how I charge. And second of all, the size of projects I could take. So, you know, there are certain, and I'm happy to talk about 
them in fees for executive coaching in the Minneapolis St. Paul area right now, roughly, and this is talking to different HR people, a very, for a mid-sized business or a smaller business, six-month coaching program, a pretty typical average would be about $20,000 for one of these projects. Now, if you're on the coast or you're really at the sea level, you know, you might make $50,000, but more typically here, it's like that. So I asked him about his fees and he said, oh, I never do coaching below $40,000. It literally had never crossed my mind you could charge more. And no one had said to me, you can't charge more. So that was one thing that changed. Secondly, I had my, I didn't, again, not explicit, but I had in my head, what I could do was what I could physically do. And he said, for instance, with coaching, oh, I often have other people do the 360 interviews, people on my team. And I will do projects sometimes with a hundred people I'm interviewing. And I had never gone above 10 people. And literally within a few months, a university came forward and said, is it possible you could do 200 interviews for us, roll up the themes to tell the head of the school what the issues are, and we need it done in the next three to four weeks. And I said, yes. I had no clue how I was gonna do that. And I called in other people that I knew well and were independent. And we pulled that off beautifully. That is how the thinking changed. In the past, if someone said 200, I would think, I can't, let's see, I have 40 hours in a week. It just changes what you think is possible. Yeah, the Roger Bannister story, right? Which is my favorite story as a runner where forever, not just runners, but you know, scientists, doctors said the human body could not break the four minute mile. That was dogma. That was, you know, just a given, like saying humans don't live past 120 years. And Roger Bannister, who was a med student and trained on his lunch hour, so he clearly had a different way he thought, ended up breaking the four minute mile and within months, dozens of people broke it. Dozens, nothing changed in the human body in two to three months. Yeah, we just saw that it was possible. We saw it was possible, now I'm gonna do it. It is incredible. And I think that that's what, for me, my mentors and the people that I look up to and, and um, it, seeing them do it all of a sudden gives us permission to actually go after and say, wait a minute, I could do that too. Yes. You know, one of the biggest frustrations that I find with a lot of my clients is they will look at someone, sometimes even me, and say, I can do what she does. I can even do it better but then they don't. There's this like, oh, they're ahead of us. They have more money, more fame, more status, whatever it is. And they really get blocked. Yeah. Um, so I think that having a positive influence, someone in your life who can say, yes, you can. And I, Absolutely. right. Not only do we see that it's possible, but also um, someone who really believes in us. Yes. That's sometimes yeah. for me worth more than anything else. I, I think that's absolutely true. And a funny thing about human beings, whether it's positive traits like potential or problematic things like unconscious biases, we are really bad at seeing these things in ourselves, and we're really good at spotting them in others. That's scientifically true. So figure out if you need to interview people who are your big fan club and say, what do you think is possible for me? What do you see? And raise that bar Think about your own four-minute mile and find people that have broken it. 
I, I absolutely love that. Another nugget that, that I think is so brilliant. You know, one thing that the, um, I didn't ask you that I thought, you know, ever since you basically introduced yourself was in the back of my head was you had four children. Mm-hmm. And you're um, a, a mom, and there's this life of that we have other life outside of our work, and it's demanding. Sure. And having children is very complex. And a lot of the people that are listening to this are saying, "Well, I don't have, I don't have the flexibility or the time." Um, do you believe in seasons, or do you believe in giving things up? I I'm not a believer in giving things up. I would be more a seasoned person. And the counterpart I'd say to them is if you are independently employed, you do have the flexibility. I mean, how did I raise four kids, one with special needs and build a business? I was self-employed. You know, if I need to be home or work from home, if somebody has some something, my child with disabilities had a lot of doctor's appointments. I would block that in my calendar and that was not available. The other thing that's easy to underestimate, and I was in corporate America for a number of years, when you take out internal meetings and preparation for preparation for the bosses, 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 there is so much time freed up. When the work you're doing as a consultant or coach is just billable work, you don't have to do as much of it. Mm. So this is, such a big aha moment. If you're self-employed, you do have flexibility. You totally do have flexibility. You are setting your own schedule. You're setting your own vacation. You, I mean, you're setting anything. Of course, time you take off, you're not paid. But by the same token, a lot of my work, for instance, and some of your coaches, if they work in, in a corporate environment, you may write some reports. I would take afternoons off. I'm an early bird. Saturday, I'd be up, write my reports five to eight in the morning and be done and have had afternoons off during the week. I mean, if you can flex it around and fit it in where it works for you, it works. I am so, I feel so blessed to be able to do this work because I I have ultimate personal freedom. Yes. And I think that that's to me the greatest gift of entrepreneurship. Yes, that is really right. Right. So, um, you know, you mentioned the early mornings. I would, I would be amiss if I didn't ask you about the early morning because we are the 4 a.m. club girls. I know. <laughs> I love getting up early. And that, so, yeah. so why is that important to you? Because honestly, you are one of the most successful people in, in our, I'm, I would say in the whole country. Oh, Yasna. You are making me so uncomfortable. I think you should own it because it's ah, <laughs> Okay, so so is the question, why get up early or what do you do in the morning? What does that do for you, right? What do you do and what does that do for you? Especially, so this is the first year I'm an empty nester. Number four child just launched off to college. So before that, right up to last year, morning time always guaranteed I'd have time to myself. So that is an immediate thing it gives me. It's quiet time. It's always time for some meditation. I'm a runner, so I run in the morning. I could do that before everybody's up. Um, It just is a time I set a tone in my day, but I guarantee before one more minute's been spent, I've had me time first for meditation, for reading, for running, 
anything I need kind of for myself. So it's sort of like paying yourself first. You know, financial planners will say that pay your retirement things first and then other stuff. I pay myself first in terms of self-care activities and it is always what I do. Wow. I've never thought about it that way. I pay myself first. Yes. But that's precisely what it is. It is. The whole day could go crazy and you could end up having to do something at work and stay late. You still had your self-care time. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. I mean, my, I, I was never an early morning person until I had children. Yeah. And I would wake up at nurse at 4 a.m. like, I'm awake. And um, I can't imagine my life without the early mornings anymore. Yes. No, like, it's really, it, it also sets a tone. It really sets a tone for the entire day. There's something in psychology called priming that everybody would know from advertising. When there are symbols of things around, it brings them up in the mind and we tend to act in accordance with them. So it's a really interesting thing. Some of it is subconscious. For instance, if they have symbols of um, soap around and signs referring to cleanliness, when they do studies, people are less likely to lie when they're given a chance to lie in a study. So it's all unconscious, but it has to do with kind of what gets primed in our brain and then we behave that way. So when we start our day with meditation or reading inspirational things, I like to do both, running, um, not picking up our cell phones in the first hour minimum, I think is a very positive habit. We prime our day to be focused on the things that are important. If our first thing is jumping out of bed, reading you know, stressful emails, running to this, it really does set a different trajectory. Oh, I love that. What is that phenomenon called again? It's called priming. So it's the same thing they do in advertising where they'll have a wonderful scene and then a car, they're kind of bringing up a wonderful scene and making you associate that with the car. Um, but when we remind people of things, whether we're conscious or not, we tend to look for those things and behave in accordance with those things. So what are you priming in your morning? You know, that would be my question. Oh my goodness, I love that. You are just dropping these golden nuggets. Ah! Oh, this is psychology, lots of psychology school. I just absolutely love it. Um, Sarah, what does it mean to live a good life? Uh, I think a good life is one that is filled with people that you feel close to and has tons of face-to-face -face social connection. There's a big learning element. This is my own personal description where every day I feel like I'm learning something new and I'm intentionally learning new things where we're connected to our faith, whatever that is for us. And community can be a great faith for us that I'm connected and I believe in the people around me. Higher power, for me it's higher power. God, whatever your faith is, we know, I know not only from my own life and from research, it's tied to everything from good health to long life. It really matters. So the social contact, the faith, the learning, movement during the day, and then for me having activities in our work life that are purpose-driven for ourselves. Um, everyone's gonna have a different definition of that, but there's gotta be meaning. I mean, it's, it's gotta matter whatever you're doing in that big bulk of your time called work. 
So what are you filling your life and days with and, and the meaning? And that's um, despite the fact that we are going to have hardship in life. Is that correct? I would even say it's time to embrace that hardship. I have had, as many of your listeners had, my own different things that have been hard, coming into recovery many years ago, having a child with severe disabilities. There are always things that come up. And what I will say, and I mean this unequivocally, is looking back, those are the absolute best, most difficult things. And I wouldn't trade them because I believe a good life is deep. It's not sailing along with little pain and kind of staying in a narrow comfort zone. It's deep. And part of the way we carve out space for gratitude and joy and closeness is also having carved out some really difficult things that we had to find that strength. So no, I'm not looking for kind of smooth sailing. I'm looking for depth and that's not always easy. It is not. So this opens up the question that I'm, I'm, I have to ask, how do you think, you know, the process of the recovery has helped you find depth? Oh my gosh. In, that could be a six hour discussion. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, for any of us who have had, whether it's a mental health thing, like having trouble uh, with drinking or gambling or whatever your thing is, having a mental health thing, uh, depression, anxiety. I mean, it touches about half the population when you lump them together. Physical difficulties, divorce, all of that. A, it immediately creates an ability to empathize with other people. It's, I will just tell you that when you have been down in a really tough place, it's very hard to judge other people struggling along. Mm. It just is because we confuse smooth sailing with I'm I there's something special about me kind of like a lot of different things that are gifts to us and thinking it's something I've done. No, this is a gift to me. And when we really have to dig down and struggle, we realize that when someone else is is floundering around, you know, it's impossible to say this is something wrong with them. And the second thing is when you've really known a dark place, you really know what joy is. You know what getting in bed and reading a good book means. I know what having that first cup of coffee means, hugging my kids mean. It just pulls you out of that human tendency to get used to good things and forget how great things really are. You're just, you know, I'm tearing up. I don't know if you can see, but that's just so beautiful. And that's, that's, I wanted to ask that to show people that how much depth you have as not only as a professional, but as a human and to be able to um, help others from that vantage point that just, it just makes you um, a better human overall. And I love that. Thank you for saying that. So I know now that you are working on something so incredibly exciting that I am excited about and would love for you to tell us what is this next big thing that you're, that you're working on and why and why now? Well, why now? Can I talk a little bit about my relationship? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> okay, so Yasna has been my coach over the last year, and I will paraphrase one of our early discussions where Yasna asked me about 
you know, have you thought about kind of scaling this through doing something online or getting onto social media? And I said something to the effect of, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. I don't do social media, I'm not on Facebook. I mean, I, I think I might've gone on for about three minutes and Yasna just waited for get it out, get it out. And basically wore me down and I agreed I would give a shot to it. And so the, the baby step was just doing some social media things with videos on LinkedIn. From there though, in our discussions and also the number of people cl clearly that are interested in getting into executive coaching, just by saying, can we have coffee? I love doing that, but needed more than one coffee. What's the process? What are the documents you use in executive coaching? What do you charge? How do you do confidentiality? And from this discussion and a great idea from your podcast host, uh, we set up a blended online and in-person learning cohort um, for certification and executive coaching and the method we use. Eight weeks. It has everything from start to finish teaching about what it is, how you do it, the documents are given to you that you will need every step of the way. We have Zoom calls twice a week where we talk about real-time things people are dealing with, thorny questions, etc. Well, here's why, and I love, I just love you so much. Um, here's why, why that came to me, why, why I think it's really important. I think we're in a world where there's a lot of noise and noise is not necessarily a good thing. So a lot of, there's a lot of um, quality issues uh, with people. Everyone now is an expert and, and a coach. So one of the things that, that I've noticed, you are an incredible professional and you have longevity and you have incredible reputation. And I think that our job then for, for, for those of us who are really enamored with what we do and have excellence and integrity in our, in our work, to be able to replicate that level and, and, um, and provide an opportunity for others um, who are wanting to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. So why go anywhere else but, but with you? And the one number one thing that I hear from people is, where do I get a certification? What does that look like? What are the contracts look, look like? How do I get into the companies? And you yeah. basically solve all of those problems for them. Well, thanks, Yasna. I mean, there are a lot of different ways people can get certified. And I think many of them are outstanding. What I will tell you, though, is of our a cohort we just are halfway through right now. We have another one starting January. Um, I would say 75% of them went through a certification program already. So I'm thinking, why are you coming to us? And what we're hearing back is, yep, you get you get the teaching around coaching, but it's a practical piece. I'm not just walking out with, I've read a book or paid a lot of money for a course on executive coaching. We are walking step-by-step step with the document support, with the backup support for every step for building that business. So I, I sense from talking to alumni that it's a very um, practical way that really gives you hands-on. Um, which makes sense because the biggest struggle is we can have the knowledge, you know, yeah. online courses are all the rage right now, but the, the completion rate is only, I think, 17%. 
I believe it. Which is very low. So when you actually have the support and say, okay, here's how you actually implement that and how you use it. And here are the, some of the examples and here's some of my connections. Here's some of the people from my Rolodex. That's more powerful to me than anything else. It makes me kind of want to go into executive coaching, Sarah. Oh, you would be a natural. <laughs> really, that is true. And I'll tell you, in addition to doing this work um, with our cohorts of folks that want to stand up or expand their executive coaching practice, Kelly, who I loaded to, who used to be a head of HR at a public company, now has a cohort in January for HR leaders who are getting certified in doing coaching within their companies and got a huge response, which let me know, gosh, just learning the basic, really good coaching skills, whether you're gonna stand up a business or use it in a company, are so, so needed right now for people. So true. And uh, for me, if I were to start a business all over again in this industry, I would want a plug and play system, not only where I'm going to learn the skills. Very often people are like, I don't know how to coach. Okay, here are the skills, but now what do I do? So building business and actually getting it off the ground and getting the confidence, the belief in yourself, Mm -hmm. that's a missing piece. So when you have someone who can actually give you direct feedback and they can, you know, give you the practice of playtime, they can actually observe. That's, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. It's really, and it's fun watching the coaches networking with each other and supporting each other. I can help them with connections, and that has happened in our group. Um, And also challenge their beliefs. So right out of the shoot, one of our participants, she already has several projects. She's been doing this now two months. One of the projects that I said, "How much are you charging?" and It was kind of like me with my friend. She said, you know, I'm charging, I'm making this up, $5,000. And I said, I'm so thrilled you got that project. That should actually be (laughs) $25,000. I thought her eyes were going to pop out, but that's just a fact. She was doing a big team event and it is a classic thing we all do. We don't yet, am am I going to be received in the market? Is it worth this? But it's not how I feel inside that determines that. What is the value of that product out there? You know, that's what we need to look at and match. You just gave her a 10-year shortcut. Well, a lot of us do it where, you know, we spend a lot of time undervaluing ourselves and what we're giving. It's so true. So who is the certification program for? Is it for life coaches or people in the corporate environment? Yes. So it would be people who want to stand up or are standing up their own business. It would not be, for instance, an internal coach. Mm -hmm. That would be more in Kelly's program. So I have life coaches. I have two heads of HR that just left their jobs to start coaching and are just beginning. I have a person who's an MBA. He's been in financial services. He wants to start coaching. Um, And then a person who's actually two people who are life coaches. So it can be, we have a whole array of different types. It's a natural thing for life coaches. And I'll tell you, you already have the foundation. This is about just figuring out a tweak on how you're going to apply it within organizations. There are differences, but it's not hard. The coaching part is still coaching. It's just going to have a somewhat different orientation and different steps. Oh, I, I, I love that. So, uh, you know, as you're, as you're doing this and as you, what are you hoping to see with the people who go through the program? 
for all of them to stand up highly successful coaching businesses. My God. That's what I'm hoping to see. That, that's incredible. So let's talk about, uh, this, is, this is really a gift that keeps on giving. So let's give people an insight into sure. um, the, you know, what, is, what does it mean to be an executive coach? Are you working full time? So for example, I don't really, I don't work full time. I never have. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. the, the freedom. Yeah. But uh, you know, what, what is the earning potential and what are the hours and what does that look like? And it's going to look like first reframing how you think about work because what it's not is, wow, you show up at seven and you leave at five. Okay. So it can be as many hours as you want. I mean, you, you could be working 80 hours if you want to. I will get in and give you an intervention if you do that, because that means you need some leverage and to be hiring people who can take the admin part off your plate. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a difference between the first year getting up to speed and once you're up and running. So let's talk about even two years in when someone has proven they're getting coaching work. Certainly to be in the range of two to $300,000 is a no-brainer. Wow. That is something, if you have nailed down your coaching practice, it's up and running. I mean, think about it. If you're doing $20,000 projects and you do 10 coaching clients... 10 coaching clients here at $200,000 a year. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. And I think the average rate for two years in for a life coach, and of course, this is, this is just generally, yeah. it's about sixty to 80000 Well, of course, it's going to be more just because what you're paid by a company is going to be much more. Um, and this, I mean it. I don't have a ceiling rate on the top. Half millions of dollars is what people make as the top coaches. Millions and millions of dollars. I have a friend who makes $5 million a year as a coach. That's but absolutely incredible. It blows me away. So listen, folks, if you're listening to this and you're about to transition and you have an inkling into coaching or you are a sort of a coach, I mean, it's a no-brainer to at least have a conversation with you. It's a no-brainer if you have a serious interest to do it. And if you're someone who's come out of working in companies, you already have the whole piece of you get how companies work. Um, the neat thing with, with the coaching piece is I think a huge part of it is innate. I mean, I noticed this in you. It's, in, you know, it's the interpersonal skills. It's being able to build trust. I may have gone through a doctorate in psychology. I didn't learn most of the things I actually do in coaching there. Mm. I have, I love psychology and I love that I have that knowledge base, but what I do in coaching, I didn't get that out of graduate school. Um, so I just throw that out. I would not have limiting beliefs around education or I need to come from this or. Okay. I, I love that. Well, where can people find you and learn more about the, uh, the program? Yeah, so the easiest way is to email me, which is Sarah at sarahbridges.com, or our website, which is also sarahbridges.com. I think shooting me an email would be the best starting point, and we can send out some, some information. Okay, I love that. And I'm going to add that um, below or above this, this video sure. and the podcast, wherever, wherever it goes. I love that. Oh my God, I'm just getting so excited. The thought that so, some of our listeners might actually end up doing this. That would be amazing. Oh my goodness, yes. 
So to close, I have some really quick, super fire sure. questions. You ready? Sure. Yes. Okay. What first thing that comes to mind? Best book? Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, Franco. Franco, I love that. Life is? Um, deep. Ooh. Having faith means? Knowing the universe has your back. Oh, <laughs> it just does. Always. Uh, my current struggle is? Narrowing the number of things that I'm curious about. Oh, my I God. mean, and I am not going to narrow them, but I, there's so many things I want to learn about and I'm curious about. Oh, that. I love that. I want 10 lifetimes, right? <laughs> I'm serious. Just, yeah, there's so many interesting things. I love that. Best advice I was ever given. As a pipsqueak consultant, a senior consultant said to me, Sarah, never burn a bridge because in reality, no matter where you are, there's only one bridge out of town. And, you know, I really took that to heart. And it's the, the relationship piece of having good connections with people. Your reputation is worth as much as whatever you're earning. And we get that in the grocery line. We get that on the plane. We get that with the receptionist when we're going into a coaching client. It's, it's really true. Oh, what a beautiful way to end this conversation. Wow. Thank you so much. And you are a living testament to that. I mean, I, my life is so much richer knowing oh, you, like truly. I think I admire you greatly. I am so, I know that it's not a coincidence that our paths have crossed. I just mm -hmm. know it. And I really thank you for taking the time. I know that you have a lot on your plate and to take this amount of time to, to oh, talk. Oh, this was it. so much fun talking to one of my favorite people. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, without further ado, folks, that uh, I hope that you have enjoyed this. You have seen Sarah is absolutely incredible, amazing. And I think that if you are looking, you have interest in, in coaching, and are looking to really up-level your life and create a transition, I can't think of a better person who will uphold the, you know, the belief in you, the uh, raising up the ceiling, up-leveling the life and the level of integrity um, it, better than Sarah. I just, I, I cannot recommend you enough. And I really, really, really thank you for being my role model, being a friend and being such an incredible inspiration. Thank you so much, yes. Thank you. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together.